uh, from Still Creek with us, uh, James and your family and the kids and families of Still Creek. We're blessed to have you here. We're having a potluck next door and uh, right after service. And so what we ask is, as you go to the potluck and if you're going to go out and eat lunch today, instead of paying somebody else, make a contribution and uh, to Still Creek and, and uh, be another way that we can help support them. And uh, there's so many things that we are fortunate and able to do here. And one of them is to partner with uh, people like Still Creek. And we believe in the ministry and the mission that God is performing in their, in their work. And we, again, are grateful to be a part of it. So it's good to have you here this morning. So open your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians. We've started our first lesson in Colossians last week. We're going to be in Colossians for a good while. Uh, let me just say, as you're turning there, we continue to pray for Larry Estes, Frank Metzer. Um, they're both in your bulletin. Uh, it's good to see Kayleen again here this morning, Lorna Pelton. They're both healing, and so that is a blessing as well. Uh, I didn't talk to Donna Lester this week. She, had, uh, she was on a heart monitor for a good while, hadn't had, it turned it in, hadn't got those, uh, as of last week, had not get those, uh, the readings back on that. And so continue to pray for her as well. And so again, Colossians chapter one, I'm going to begin reading in verse one, chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our father, our father. Verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven in which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, on our behalf. I had mentioned this last week, and I'm not going to ask you to do it, obviously, during this message, but if you get a chance, you should read Every introductory statement that Paul makes, the Apostle Paul, he's responsible for most of the writing of the New Testament, but uh, he writes letters in, in lieu of that, he writes letters to the Romans, uh, first and second, he writes two letters to the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, Thessalonians, and then he writes two, three pastoral letters, uh, two to Timothy and one to Titus. And so all of those letters have many things in common, there's a really succinct harmony in them. Uh, there's a systematic theology in them, but all of them have these introductory statements. And you could just dovetail them. Uh, almost every one of them, he introduces himself uh, many times, maybe as an apostle, bondservant. Uh, however, he introduced, and then he may introduce someone else like Timothy and mentions Epaphras here, uh, but he'll always make, sent by God, by the will of God. But I mentioned last week, that's what he said. He said in verse one, an apostle of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. He always announces, states who he is. 
But then you can just read past these verses. And here to me, and I don't believe in coincidence. Sorry, I got a little itch in my throat. I don't believe in coincidence the fact that Still Creek is here today. I want you to, if if we just didn't read over those verses, if you took the time to read those verses again, I would just ask you, what would your sentiment be? If you're really paying attention to those words and you're really trying to connect with the emotion and the teaching and the relationship that Paul reveals between himself, others, in this case, a church, Christians, what would the sentiment be? When you read that, is it a harsh sentiment? It's loving, isn't it? It's loving, it's tender, it's, uh, it's important. It's emphatic. These are strong words. I mean, how would you like or how would you feel if you had somebody that w- would share these kind of thoughts? <coughs> I'm sorry. These kind of thoughts about himself and his relationship. Man, my throat is killing me this morning. With you, about you, and with others. So real quickly, let's just look at the phrases. The first thing that he talks about is Timothy, our brother. Timothy, our brother. (coughs) I'm going to get through this. Our brother. So it's one thing to have a brother. Still Creek, he's going to use this term brother, but it's one thing to have a brother, okay? Mention someone as a brother. But the term he uses is our brother. Now, there had to be people in Colossae, they didn't know Timothy, but Paul introduces him as our brother, our brother. Now, when you think about the emphasis of Christianity and what happens in Christianity, <clears throat> again, I'm sorry, there, the term brother or brethren is, is throughout the entire Old and New Testament, used over 500 times. When God talks about his people, he talks about a family. He talks about a kingdom. He talks about the bride of Christ, children, sons and daughters. But he emphasizes throughout scripture, the relationship of God's people is brother and brethren. One more time. Let me get through this. Okay. So he emphasizes that term, but he says our brother. Now the Bible says, and the writer of scripture says, there's a friend that is closer than a brother, but I don't know what your feeling is about people, Christians. I I really don't. James, I could do this. I could say to someone that has not met you, and I was trying to introduce, maybe writing a letter, I could say, our brother James. I could. I could. And and the significance of that would be what? For a Christian, the implications are huge. They're huge. It, it, It establishes a relationship. And it establishes a relationship which Paul is going to lead to that is, is intimate, it's close, it's personal, it's loving. Now, it's based upon one thing in particular. But I could introduce you, not as a brother, but our brother. And Christianity has an our, personal pronoun, our emphasis to it. So we just start there, our brother. <coughs> to the saints. Saints. Now, historically, if you're a part of a Christian community, saint would represent what? I mean, 
I don't know what your thoughts about saint is, but immediately, probably, there's something conjured up in us, this thought that uh, it's somebody who's really good, right? Somebody that's really has an achieved and a status that, man, is really, really good. That's not what it means. It almost has an implication that you or I or someone has done something that elevates us to the point of saint. Now, if you're a Christian, you're a saint. You're a saint. <coughs> but it has nothing to do with your goodness or mine. Nothing. To be a saint as a Christian simply means that God, through Christ, sanctified you. He made you. He he purified you and I. And so when this term in this writing here, and he uses the word saint, I, there was no confusion with them. There may be confusion with us today, but there was no confusion then. He had taught these, these people knew that saint, and to be called a saint, it wasn't because somebody in the church said, I'm going to call you a saint. It was because Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, and purified, even though our sins were as crimson, he made them white as snow. So the commonality there, just like the commonality with brother, was something that Christ did to purify you and I. The next one is faithful brethren. <coughs> faithful brethren, I am sorry. It's got to be annoying for you. But faithful brethren in Christ. So faithful brethren. Now, again, brother, saint, faithful brethren. Plural of brother, faithful brethren in Christ. What does that mean? If I ask you to measure something, measure a brother, that you would say, we have a common ground, our brother. I could say James is our brother. I could say Mark is our brother. Don is our brother. Our brother. Well, you would fully probably understand what I was saying. If I said saint, and you understood the gospel in truth, that that means somebody that's been sanctified by Christ, you could get that. Faithful brethren. So if I ask you to just, do you know, do you know some faithful brethren? Who would you say are faithful brethren? Who would you say was our brother in your life? Do you have an our brother in your life? Are there saints in your life? Are there faithful brethren in Christ in your life? Just keep measuring. We're going to go right down. So he's giving this list of people. He's writing to them. He's accommodating them. But then you get all the way down, down to uh, verse 7. Here's some more. Just as you learned it from, what did you learn? The grace of God and truth, verse 6. The word of truth, the gospel, verse 5. Okay. <coughs> the faith in Christ Jesus, verse 4. But verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras. Our beloved fellow bondservant, which is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Now, church, this is what I want to say to you. In this introductory statement, Paul establishes a great truth about God's people. Now, if I ask you to, about someone you could say is our brother, a faithful brethren in Christ, 
If I ask you about somebody that, you know, was a saint, somebody that was a beloved fellow bond servant, someone that was a faithful servant of Christ, could you name them? Now, if I ask you, I, I, was, I, I was eating lunch in town this week, and there were two college students. They both went to A&M. They looked to be upperclassmen, probably junior, senior. To, it was pretty, they were older. And I couldn't help. Their conversation was pretty animated. And so it, it was invigorating. It was challenging. So the one young man said to the other, they're having a discussion. He says, I'm a Christian. He said, I'm a Christian. He said, uh, he said, but I, 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 don't, I don't go to church. He said, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. And then he said, I believe in life after death. And then he went on to say, that's a good thing, I hope. So I was just listening and took everything that I could just to not to intervene or <laughs> insert myself into the conversation. I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the church. I don't want to really have anything to do with church. Um, and I, I, I believe in eternal life, life after death, I hope. Now, that's a good thing. I, I don't believe in hell. And these are educated. I, mean, I thought to this guy's in his 20s, I think. And just a heaviness overcame me. What if I said to you, now the church, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16 to Peter, he said, I'm going to build a church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's what he said. In Ephesians chapter 2, he said, the manifold wisdom of God has now been made known through the church. The church is the ecclesia. The church is the called out, the purified, the sanctified, the assembled. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. Now, if I said to you, our brother, faithful brethren, uh, bond servants, name some people that you might know. We have something in common, a Timothy or an Epaphras, faithful servant. You'd probably have a pretty good, yeah, I like faithful servants. I like bond servants. I like people that have been sanctified by Christ. I like, yeah, there's people that I can write. That's, yeah, that's my brother. That's our brother. That's someone that I can learn from. But if I talk to you, if we shift that conversation to church, and I've heard people say this, so he said it boldly, but I've heard other people say, you know, I can be a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. So let me just ask you something. Tammy's my wife. And what if you said, Arby, I believe in you, but I don't want to have anything to do with your wife. Or your children. But I believe in you. It, you literally are, Jesus Christ died, and he's going to come back, and he's going to claim some people. And it's going to be his bride. And it is his church that is made up his, of his children. And when I think of spiritual warfare, and I want you to hear this. Still Creek, what do you got? Let's just be honest. Praise God, Still Creek exists. Praise God. But the truth that Still Creek exists is the truth of spiritual warfare. The scripture says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's what he does. 
Now, the Bible says greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And God's word says if we resist him, he'll flee. In John, the Gospel of John, Satan is called the father of all lies. Deception is his native tongue. He lies always. He's our adversary. And so, praise God, Still Creek exists. But Still Creek in a place like Still Creek exists because we live in a dark, broken world. Now, the church that Jesus Christ established, the bride, the children, the brethren, the kingdom, is supposed to be a, an aroma, a, a light, a sweet aroma. And so when people say to me, because this is a letter to the church, about the church of Christ and in Christ, get that, about the church of Christ and in Christ, spiritual warfare, Satan loves nothing more. He, he is enamored with the unspiritual thought that I'm a Christian but I don't have to do church. I'm a Christian, but church is insignificant. I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church to be saved. Satan is enamored with it. Scripture denies it. It is a lie, and it breaks our Lord Jesus. It, it breaks his heart. I, I'm convinced it breaks his heart. Now, he said, the church I build, the gates of Hades are not going to prevail against it, but when you begin to read all these introductory statements, Paul's doing something, and he's doing it with great intimacy. And he's establishing something. He's established that there is a community of people, an assembly, a church, and they're full of people that you can say they're our brother. And you can say they're saints sanctified by Jesus. You can say that they're faithful, and I'll tell you why they're faithful. Now, remember, Paul himself would call himself a saint, but he would say, I'm the chief of all sinners. I'm a saint. He would say, I'm a saint. I've been sanctified, purified by the blood of Jesus Christ, but I'm the chief of all sinners, and i got to die to sin daily. In fact, he would call himself a wretched man in Romans chapter 7, the least of all the apostles, chief of all sinners. But he would say he was a saint. That's our community. But the, the real impact of this teaching in this introductory statement, here it is, okay? Saints and faithful brethren, good stuff, our brother, good, like that. Giving thanks to God, love that. I heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, verse 4, love that. And the love which you have for all the saints, love that, it's all good. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, in which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, like that, all that's good. I like verse 6, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Love all that. That's good. And here's how. This is, his, this is it. This is the key to community, understanding how God has sanctified people, purified them through his son, bound us together as brethren, creating in us faithfulness, Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of faith, book of Hebrews. You, you have no faith separate and apart from the faith that Jesus Christ authored and is perfecting in you. Romans 10, 17, consequently faith comes by hearing and hearing the story of Christ. Now hear this, folks. This is one of those verses you could just pass right over and miss the significance of it. And that is verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, what did you learn? 
the grace of God and truth, the word of truth, the gospel. That's what they learned. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Here's what I'm going to say to you, Still Creek kids. I don't care how displaced your family is. I don't know what your story is. I know that when I was 11 months old, my parents got a divorce. and My mother, young, beside herself, made a decision. She, she left me at 11 months old and my sister, three, she left us on the, literally the doorsteps of an orphanage in San Antonio. She couldn't, she was divorced. My father was in Colorado. He didn't know. Took him about three years to get custody of us. But that's part of my story. And don't feel sorry for me. Listen, I've had a, man, I've had a blessed life. And so, as I have learned Christianity, and I'm learning things about our brothers and faithful brethren in Christ and fellow bond servants and faithful servants and all these wonderful things that identify the community of Christ. Here's, here's, the, here's what it is. I'm going to read that verse 7 again. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Everybody in here is learning something. Everybody in here is learning something. You're lear- if you're listening to rap music, you're learning something. If you're listening to rock music or hip-hop music, you're learning something. If you're learning to country, listening to country, you're learning something. If you're watching TV, you're learning something. If you're tracking politics, you're learning something. We learn two ways. Visually and audio. So we're learning. We start to learn. This scripture here should challenge you at a level, personally, that should convict you in every fiber of your body and your soul. This one verse. Because in the truth in this verse, it identifies something. First of all, it challenges you to examine yourself. What if you could just sit down and write this? I believe this. I believe this about marriage. I believe this about money. I believe this about a man, a man. I believe this about a woman. I believe this about parenthood. Whatever you believe. Whatever. You've learned something. Visually, audio, through experience, you're learning. You're just learning. Maybe learning how to saddle a horse. I don't know. We're just learning. Mundane things. But if you want to really get spiritual, understanding what Christ did through the community of the church that he established and wise, he would sanctify people, that there was nothing saintly about them. And he would author and perfect faith in them, you and I. Here's the litmus test. Since day one, God never intended for you and I to be loners. Never did. It was always part of God's plan that there would be community. You go back to Genesis, Adam needed a helper. God gave him Eve. The two shall become one. Satan wants you to believe that 
You're alone in this world. Another part of his deceptive lives, lies. God has always desired and created and built community. Now, here's the key to this statement. What are you learning? How are you learning it? Why are you learning it? And what is it the basis of? You want to change your entire mindset? You want to change your entire direction in life? You want to become that spiritual person that God has called you to be? Examine yourself on this basis. Everything that you've ever learned, what does it have to do with developing in you, creating in you a beloved fellow bondservant? Would you start there? So I learned something about business. Whatever you've learned from the school of business or the school of hard knocks, then contrast that to now I want to take whatever I've learned and put it in the realm of beloved fellow bondservant. Still Creek exists because somebody at some point said, Jesus Christ sanctified me. He purified me, a sinner, dead in my sins, dead in my trespasses. But he sanctified me. But God, being rich in his mercy, he saved me. Ephesians chapter 2. So I'm sanctified. I have a purpose now. My life, the direction and the purpose of my life now is based upon knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified and serving only God and bringing honor and glory to him. Now, so whatever I learned, so Still Creek, somebody decided at some point historically that we live in a dark and broken world and Christ, the only answer is the Christ the God, the Father of the Christ, who sanctifies, purifies, knits together, builds. So somebody motivated with that knowledge said, what I have learned is that we can create a community and something can happen in that community and what will be happening is the evidence of a beloved fellow bondservant will be evident. Somebody in mind and heart and spirit and flesh and blood. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Said we need to create a place in a dark, broken world where families, <laughs> where Satan is the deceiver and the father of all lies. And as he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, he wants to destroy every marriage. He wants to destroy every man. He wants to destroy and deceive every woman. He wants to see children aborted. He wants to see families broken. He wants to see death, destruction, and brokenness at every turn. He wants every child to suffer through the indignity and the pain of a divorce. He desires it. But somebody, through the sanctifying work of God, through Jesus Christ, somebody, their saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who've decided that in this dark and broken world, there's a light and there's a way. 
and we're not going to, we're going to take everything that we've learned and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to operate differently. We're going to build something that's different. And then just to add to it, he says, uh, so the learning, see, because we're supposed to iron is sharpening iron. And so these people, all these things he said, you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of Christ. Second thing. So, beloved bondservant and what? Faithful servant. Two, one word, two statements. Servant. As we go through Colossians, there's a great statement that he makes about submission. We just did a study in Ephesians. Paul writes to the Ephesians, you're supposed to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. We don't like subjection, and we don't like submission. Jesus Christ submitted himself. He subjected himself. It's interesting. Just like I said, you say, well, Arby, I could accept you, but I don't want to have anything to do with your wife or your children. <laughs> well, I'm a Christian, but my service will only go so far. I'll only serve to a point. I'll only serve to a point. Now, I want you to take everything that you think you know and you've learned and you value about whatever you're passionate about and put it in the realm, the learning realm of two arenas. What does it have to do with being a beloved fellow bondservant and a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Here's what I'd say to you. You take the totality of everything that you've ever learned from whoever you have learned it from. Epaphras was someone that Paul converted on his first missionary trip, I believe. And then he was a companion. He was a resident of Colossae. And and Paul could say he's a fellow, he's a beloved fellow bondservant, and he's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Everything you've learned, what does it look like? What does it sound like? And how does it render itself? Everything you've learned. all the knowledge that you've acquired that is now determining your attitude and your mindset about how you're going to live. It's endless. Trick me once, shame on you. Trick me twice, shame on me. I learned that. It's not biblical. But it's something you can learn. One of the great cancers in our culture right now is the feminist movement. It just is. It's so anti-biblical. But it sounds appealing to uh, someone who believes they've been mistreated and they shouldn't subject themselves to anyone. It sounds appealing. I'm not picking on women. Whatever the culture's teaching us, if the culture's teaching us and it doesn't have anything to do 
with becoming a beloved bondservant and a faithful servant of Christ on someone else's behalf, it's a lie. I care what it is. Whatever you've learned in your life that is not based upon a teaching that develops from you, from someone in you, passing it on, a beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, what value does it have? You may get some wealth. You really may get some wealth in life. This has to do with your money. I'm going to pick on Colton, then we're going to finish. Because, again, I don't believe in coincidence. See, Still Creek, you may not know this, but the reason Still Creek exists is because somebody learned something contrary about the world and the brokenness in the world. The House of Hope, they don't take public money. They learn something different. They believe that that something can be learned and something can be taught and something can be shared that has to do with being a bondservant and a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, on the behalf of someone else. And so, Colton, this morning I said, Colton, if I, if I said to you, you know, we're going to do something, and, or I'm over here, and I said, and I, you weren't really helping, though. You didn't help. You just, you're back in Texas, and I'm in Tennessee, and I don't know why I'd be in Tennessee, but I said, I'm working over here, and I've made, I've made some money, and it's our money. And I love his honesty. He was very honest. He said, well, I'd have a problem with that. And that shocked me. I said, well, why? He said, because I don't like the idea of someone, you know, if I've worked for something and I've earned it, it's my money. It's not, he was actually taking my side. You know, basically, it's not our money. He said, you know, I didn't do anything to earn that money. See, and that's, that's a thought, isn't it? And I appreciate your honesty. Christianity, the totality of Christianity is what was done for us so that we could learn about what we could do for others. And we're only here for just a little bit. And Satan wants you to believe in self-righteousness and self-ownership. And this is mine. And I've earned this. What could you say about Christ saying, I'm going to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. But it's yours now. And because it's yours, it's ours. It's ours. That's the gospel. So, I just challenge you to look at your relationship with God I want you to consider the grace and peace from God, our Father, that's been given to you. God, our Father. I want you to consider the faith that you have in Christ Jesus that he authored and perfected. I want you to consider your hope that's laid up for you in heaven. I want you to consider the word of truth, the gospel. I want you to understand the grace of God in truth. 
you'll only ever be able to do that if you understand that what you are learning is supposed to culminate in two things. It's supposed to, Epaphras lived with what he learned. It's supposed to culminate a beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of Christ on someone else's behalf. Now, if you've learned that and you're living that and you're teaching that, Christ is being glorified. And we are being, we are being faithful brethren. We're being faithful servants. It was the story of Jesus Christ, his life. If we learned anything at all from the cross, we should have learned what a faithful bondservant was. What a faithful servant of God on behalf of others was. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us enough to give us your son. Thank you for uh, teaching us. Father, I hope that our hearts and our mind and our spirits uh, can shift uh, from the ungodliness and the brokenness that's in the world, the selfishness that's in the world, the pride that's in the world, the disobedience that's in the world. And I hope as we learn your son from one another, we learn what it is to be a faithful bondservant, a beloved bondservant, and a faithful servant of your son, of your son Christ, on behalf of others. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.